This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In by Kulisevsky. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy. And if I have to find a husband for my daughter, I would like <laughs> it to be a person like him. It's Nathan Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> How comically sweet. I mean, it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit true as well. Um, but that was very cute that, that Conte said that of Son. And to be honest, we all think that of Son anyway, don't we? He's just like the nicest human being. So. Except if you're an opposition fan, in which case mm. you kind of find a reason to hate him for apparently no reason. I was going to say that. I think um, we don't realise how much he's hated outside he really is. of Because sometimes you see those tweets, who's the player you hate the most? And you go into it and you're always surprised at how many people say Son. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's adorable. He's wonderful. But I don't care what anyone else says. It's uh, he's he's perfect. And now we've um, it would be interesting to see that done again because now we have Richarlison and Son, who everybody will hate. So perhaps and Romero. Almost... And, and Romero. Romero. Yeah. We we are piss boiling FC, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, Let's be I honest. So. Uh, I am wearing a a lovely polo shirt inspired by the 1985 away kit. This kind of the the light blue and lighter blue um, Hummel away kit um this was uh, very kindly gifted by club golf um we will link to their website i'll do a little twirl and nathan can um can put a, a video of me twirling on twitter it's yeah it's pretty it's pretty nice pretty nice pretty comfy um recommend it have a look see if you fancy if you're if you're a golfer it's it's ideal for uh, getting out on the golf on the golf course thank you to club golf that was very very generous uh, let's get stuck into the Nottingham Forest game. Another win for Spurs. Um, team selection-wise, so no major surprises, but uh, Jed Spence was on the bench, uh, and that became relevant later in the game. So that was uh, something of interest. Um, Nathan, any concerns when you saw the lineup? I guess bearing in mind that Davinson Sanchez was once again playing on the right. Yeah, I thought we might see at least one change from the previous game. Basically, mm-hmm. I thought that. I thought that we. <laughs> Not that like anyone had. I, I guess there's definitely like a, a meritocracy thing going on where Conte wants to reward good performances and he's happy with how everyone's playing. I just thought, I just thought we could have done with something uh, fresher, newer, mm. Mm, creative going on there. Mm, mm. I totally get that. I absolutely get that. So, um, so um, just a quick question: and who, Nathan? What changes would you have liked to have seen? Well, either. Um, some sort of creative solution with the centre backs to get Davinson off the pitch one way or the other, or a change at right wing back. I think that's probably it. One of those. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. But I think that's fair to say that's kind of that was very un- unlikely to happen. Um, I think it was probably unlikely to happen, but I think it's getting closer to happening after this game. 
Okay. Um, so we've got a question from Lafaint, which I think will probably give us a lot of ammunition to have a, a good conversation about this. So he says, more of a comment, but can you discuss Conte's quotes from the press conference, in this, which were, um, in the second half, we improved a lot because in the first half, we didn't use our midfielders and we wanted to go in one side to another side. It was easier for Nottingham Forest to put pressure and for us to make a bit of insecurity in the centre. Um, Nathan, what do you think this alluded to? I think he wanted us to um, get sort of rack up a couple more passes in our build-up play under pressure to draw them in more first before finding Kulisevsky, Kane um, or a wing-back. I think um, there's a really good thread by uh, Simply Wink. I retweeted uh, doing some data viz, looking most importantly at Larissa's distribution. So in the first half, nearly every pass was long. Um, and to Kane and failed. And in the second half, it was a lot more short passing, short distribution, even under pressure. Um, to just be a little calmer, be a little less afraid of what Forrest can offer in their pressure and to, to draw them in and, and play through them. I mean, the thing with that is that, like, obviously, we did succeed at doing that once and scored a goal in the first half. So, like, the, the, the plan had worked in terms of the scoreline. Um, but but needed some improvement um, in terms of the actual performance. And I was, I tweeted out, I was frustrated sort of around the 50, 55th minute because the first half, uh, sorry, the second half wasn't improving on, on the first half significantly enough for me. And then sort of around 60, we started to really kill them on the counter again and again yeah. and again. Yeah. And that was, and the game was done. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I think... Um... So, like, Sanchez had a very good match defensively, I think it's fair to say, you know, really sound, really, really sound defensively. But the difference between Romero and Sanchez in our ability to um, be bold and break the lines and play into midfield is so significant that it's actually really hurting us, I think. And that's why we haven't controlled games. Um, So the the thing for me is um, Romero does this in two ways. So he he's so confident in possession that he holds onto the ball for what seems like it's going to be a second too long. And then he just makes it work like he'll he'll delay and delay and delay. The player has been sucked in and he plays a ball into midfield or to Emerson, who then plays a ball into midfield because the gap that he's created is there. Or he carries the ball forward into midfield and bypasses the, the first line of the press. Davinson Sanchez, as much as he's a really, really strong defender, he can't do he can't do either of those things. He did actually play a really good pass in the second half, and I was um, pleasantly surprised by that. But it's not a consistent thing. And I must say, um, I think Davis has been a little underwhelming with his with his ball playing as well so far. And I thought Dyer also had a pretty poor match. That's a really nice Forrest. carry um, from Davies in the second half, I think, where he, he carried the ball a long way inside and that released Perisic and gave Perisic a bunch of time on the ball. He put a really dangerous cross in. But then sort of outside of that, there isn't a ton more. So I, I agree with you. You can see what, what could be achieved there, but I agree that there wasn't enough of that. Yeah. Go on, Bardi. Uh, Davis's yeah. biggest supporter. Well, I just think it's a little bit unfair because I, I see, I know exactly what you guys are saying and where you're coming from. But Davinson is a piece of toast, and you're <laughs> criticising him for being a piece of toast rather than being a souffle. You're, you're expecting him to do things that he's not capable of. He's a defender who primarily defends and does his job, and we've not conceded a goal in like ten hours with him in the team, and he, that's what he does. I think it's unfair to criticise him for not doing what Romero does when Romero has a skill set which is specialised just to him and there's very few players. Mm. He's, a, he's a backup right-sided centre-back who does fine. And at the moment, he does okay. He's not who I would have as a substitute to Romero, but he's who we've got. And he continues to perform decently. Davies, I agree with you. I'm a huge Davies fan and I think his step up has been amazing, but he's been off. And I do think Dyer's distribution has been off as well, which hasn't helped, uh, which has highlighted pretty much Sanchez's passing ability. I, I don't think it's a coincidence as well that they're playing slightly poorer without Romero in the team because I think he does bring the other two he gives confidence to the other two about playing out in terms of playing out from the back um just to be clear i mean i don't i i'm not i suppose i'm not i'm not really criticizing sanchez i'm more criticizing conte's selection of sanchez but i also am aware that like obviously he's the most logical choice from a defensive perspective so i do completely get it completely get it i just think that's you know lots of spurs fans are quite disappointed with our start to the season because we're not really controlling games Mm. And honestly, I just think that's why, because because of the defensive setup. I mean, I think um, there's a chance that Longley will come into the team before long, and I think but that, then will, that will help. Where? 
in central, and then we move Dyer right. But I think Dyer has shown to be a little bit susceptible there, and the centre position really suits him. Mm. I mean, I think um, we could experiment with Longley on left, perhaps. Uh, we're we're going to see some rotation for the next few games anyway, so it'll be interesting to see how things settle out. But um, I was really impressed with Nottingham Forest. Um, they're a very well-coached team. I think I noticed a lot of similarities with Wolves in that they... Um, they they sacrificed so much from their box presence to to press us that it meant that when the chances did come they didn't look that incisive they didn't really have many options in the box but I did like uh, Lingard and Gibbs White and Johnson sort of playing between the lines and I thought they all all three of those had really strong first halves um, or first sixty minutes really. Uh, Johnson's a lovely player. He's someone that Spurs have been linked with for a while. We, I think we were watching him when we when we were when they were in the championship. He's a really nice player, definitely one to watch for the future. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really liked what I saw from from Steve Cooper's Nottingham Forest. Anything you picked up there, Nathan? Um, I think that you can accuse their approach of being a bit naive. Like, what, what does Conte want more than anything in the world is for you to commit far forward, to try really hard to press without being an elite pressing side um, and to leave spaces behind. And, you know, again, to be fair, it took us 60 minutes to take advantage of that, really. Okay, again, we scored before that, but before we were turning those into consistent stream of chances, um, it took us an hour. So, you know, okay, and they held out for that long. Um, but I, I think you can accuse their approach in their game of, as being naive. I agree. I, I stand with Nathan on this. I'm not sure where all this praise has come from Forrest. I don't think had Forrest didn't have the history attached to it that it has, then no one really cared too much about them. I think they, they played a game which worked beautifully for us. They, they hustled and bustled, but didn't really do anything. They packed the midfield full of runners, which then left them short of a striking option, which weakened them. And yeah, I think they played beautifully for how we want to play against teams. If every team played like that against us every week, we'd win the league easy. So I don't, I don't get this loving for them. The, the radio call-ins were full of Forest fans claiming victory in a defeat. And it's just, no, they'll get relegated if they play like that. <laughs> I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that they're playing one of the best teams in the league. So it was unlikely they were ever going to beat us. But um Park the bus. They should have just parked the bus and ground us down and gave gave us the ball. That's how I would play against Tottenham. Give us yeah. the ball and see what they do. I'm, yeah, probably right. I mean, I think Cooper's not a bus parking manager. He's an interesting, interesting manager to keep an eye on. He's really young still. He doesn't he doesn't look that young, but I think he's like forty two. I think he's like about your age, Vardy. It's mad. <laughs> doesn't does he doesn't take AG every day? That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Richarlison has just tweeted at DVD Hammond to cry more about his show voting in the match. At, at who? At who? Diddy Hammond, Liverpool. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I love him already. This. We have to talk about this, the outcry of this, and the almost the insistence of violence towards somebody doing keepy uppies. <laughs> it's like... You've very got, Latin, Bardi, very Latin. You've, you've got these absolute cloggers of footballers like Jamie Carragher and David Prutton saying, I would have hit him as well. What are you talking about? It's somebody doing a little bit of skill and you're, you're asking someone to go through and hit him harder. No, it's ridiculous. Calm down and relax yourselves. I wanted to see him do it again after it yeah, happened. 100%. I want him funny. to score a goal against Forest at home and his celebration will be doing kick-ups. That assist that he got was outrageous Madness. the cross the cross like he's really good he's he's been seriously impressive in his minutes on the pitch so far um you know not everything goes right for him but he is an, a proper impact player uh how impressed are you so far i uh i don't think i could be much more impressed without like a bunch of goals basically he's um i guess the the thing you could say is that like he's only played the sun role and we want to see him play kane's role to see how that looks yeah. and how that works right yeah. um but in the sun role i mean he's played better than sun you know and how can you compliment a player any mm. better than saying that you've come in and done better than sun mm. um Again, you know, easier to do that when you're coming on fresh legs. But the thing is that, like, as we've talked about a lot, and as I think we're probably going to touch on a little bit, Son is living and dying by his goals in this system. Um, and when he scores, he's he's the greatest player in the world. And when he doesn't score, he's a bit of a uh, a heavy touch <laughs> fumbler, right? Um, Richarlison's coming on and having a more dynamic, more rounded game. Doesn't have the same level as goal threat as Son. Um, we talked last week about 
um, you know, is it time for Charlison to start? And I, and I said, no. And, and, and Conte's gone even further and be like, it's not even within question, um, today. In but, terms of. So he was asked today whether, whether Sun was likely to be benched, whether Richardson was going to come in and take his place in, in the starting 11. And that was the quote about, you know, I want, if my, if I'm going to pick a husband for my daughter, I'd like it to be someone like Sun. And, it, you know, saying there's, there's no way the goals are going to come for him. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that is, that is undeniably true that the goals will come for Sun. Oh, yeah. But, um, I think he's also said that Richardson will definitely start in the coming games. So does that mean he's going to be playing in the centre forward role? Cause he has also said Kane's going to miss a game yeah. sometime coming up. Yeah. And I think that's a nice way of doing it actually. Off um, the bench for Sun on the starting 11 for Kane. Kind of like that. Okay. Kind of, kind of like that uh, until Son, you know, clicks into form. I mean, I, I, like I said, I would have, I would have started Richardson against Wolves. I'd have started Richardson against Nottingham Forest. Um, just because like we've got him why not why would you not like just bring him in for one bring some back in for the next one whatever but um, I do like the Richardson covering for Kane idea I think that's a, I think that's a shout I do think it's a shout um, so we used four out of five subs this time around nice uh, but one of them was really late in fact they were all quite late I think um, so Richardson came on for Son uh, Sessegnon came on for Perisic we should talk about Perisic, I think. Uh, Basuma came on for Kulusevski, meaning that Bentancur moved right again, which I also think is something we should we should talk about. Uh, and then Jed Spence came on for Bentancur, who was concussed, and he kind of came on on the right hand side of the um, attacking band, which was interesting. Um, so I guess the first thing to talk about is Perisic. Obviously, less impactful in this game. I don't know how you feel, but I also think he's not great in build in the build up phase. This is something I spent quite a while looking into um, for the video on him. And this is the part of his game that I struggled to have like a clear and simple take in the most. I feel like into the wingbacks were less involved in build-up play than they have been at Spurs, which doesn't help. Um, but by and large, I thought he was good for inter- in build-up play. Okay. Um, maybe, you know, maybe that's something I need to, to keep reflecting on um, as the weeks go by. But I wouldn't say I'm concerned yet. Okay. That's that's pretty reassuring. That's pretty reassuring. Um, Sessignon looked really lively again, Bardi. Yeah, I, I think Sessignon, you know, I've, I've spoken a lot about him. I like him and I do like this substitution. I do like one starting and the other one switching mm. on. I think it makes sense. I think it gives mm-hmm. them both the ability to, to be there at their freshest, attacking the opposition. I think Perisic has been a little bit sloppy in build-up, but I just think that that time will come. It will He will improve that. I don't think having Sun has his kind of out-ball. So when the ball goes from Davies into Perisic, it's going almost like that flick around the corner to Sun. I don't think that's helping in the same way that Emerson yeah. has Kulisevsky there to receive the ball. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit in that, but it will come. Kulisevsky's just so sturdy. You just You can give him the ball... On his shin, mm. on his knee, and he's gonna re- he's gonna retain it. He's just so good. I mean, it, let's hope this is this is more than just a, a a hot streak because he is some player. You know, he went in and out of the game. I think it's fair to say, but when he was in it, he was just terrific. They couldn't get the ball off him. Um, he's, there's a little bit of kind of Berbatov in him. Berbatov was a guy that you could just knock the ball up to. And as long as it was within a leg stretch from him, it was under control. And Kulovsevsky's in the same kind of way. If it's in his, if it's in his sphere of, of influence, what's that, what's that thing we look at? If it's, yeah, if it's in his sphere of influence, he'll, he'll have the ball under control. A couple of folk on the Discord were saying that he reminds them of Dembele as well in the way that he um, receives the ball and maintains possession. And I think that's because he's sort of he pivots his body so much to take on his left mm. in the same way that Dembele did. And, and it looks so predict- it looks so predictable from the opposition's perspective. Like you should be able to just get the ball off him and yet you still can't. You know what he's going to do, but you can't stop him doing it because he's so damn good. Yep. Yeah, and some of the best players have that. It's the, the ability to keep repeating the same trick, but you can't stop him. You like, like Messi, Robin, those kind of guys. Mm. So uh, I mentioned as well that, that Ben Tankor moves over to the right. This is when Basuma came on for Kulusevski to sort of help shore up and protect the game. Uh, the second time that we've seen Bentancur move over to the right in our sort of defensive 5-4-1 shape. Um, anything in that, Nathan? Do you think it's just the case of getting an extra body in midfield and he's he's a kind of all-rounder? Yeah, I think it's just seeing the game out. I don't know if there's too much um, in the specifics there or anything mm-hmm. to worry about. I don't know. I don't know on that one yet. And then we saw Bentancur have... Uh, 
essentially a concussion on the pitch. Yes, yes and, definitely. And it was quite worrying, to be honest. It didn't look great. Uh, he, he goes off. He's desperate to come back on. And it seemed like Antonio Conte was also desperate for him to come back on. And the impression he got from watching it was that the... The the doctor, who assumed the doctor, was saying no, don't he can he cannot go back on the pitch. Uh, what did you make of that little uh, scenario? <laughs> I don't like it. So. No, <laughs> I don't know the whole situation with with concussions in football is is such a, it's all over the place. To be honest, mm. um, it's kind of difficult for me, right? Because I I'm really into mixed martial arts, so I watched already concussed people get further concussed on a on a weekly basis so it's difficult for me to to go from being like did you catch that incredible fight last weekend oh my days what a what a co-main i can't believe it you know all that kind of stuff and then be like um football <laughs> you know obviously the the people involved in the different sports are signing up for different things there's a whole podcast to be done about exactly how much uh, awareness and control mixed martial arts have over there the danger they're putting but uh to simplify things they do kind of know what they're getting in for right whereas football shouldn't have this threat in it to an extent it's a physical sport and collisions are going to happen but yeah the problem is very very simple the solution is very very simple doctors doctors must have the final and unchallengeable and uncritiquable in terms of, of coaches uh, say on any decision with regards to concussion, um, they must be physically left alone. They must have distance away from coaches. They must report directly to the referee uh, and everything else. All of the other protocols that are written are completely irrelevant, as we've seen in this case and several others, in, until until doctors are in charge of concussion-based decisions mm. and have impunity from um uh, taking players off, and that you know they don't get fired by their club because they've upset the coach. And it, again, it goes back to what we saw in in the All or Nothing documentary with with Mourinho being really upset about um, a doctor saying, "Look, son can't play; he's got a broken wrist, whatever it was." Then and several similar things. And we we hear other reports; we've heard them in Conte as well, where where um, players are being rushed back dangerously. And obviously, that's not great if you've got a broken wrist. But if you're concussed, it's 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 a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean, I was pleased to see that in the end, Bentenko sat back down sensibly. Similarly, I would say I've been quite quite pleasantly surprised by the uh, amount of time they've given Skip to recover, having wanted to rush him back, and likewise Romero. So I think despite Conte's kind of want to get these players back on the pitch, the right decisions are being made ultimately, um, which I think we can say is a, is a good thing. Uh, it does seem like Ben Zankor is going to miss a couple of games now. So this wasn't just a small thing. This is quite a serious knock to his head he suffered, uh, which means Basuma will get an opportunity in midfield, which will be interesting. Um, before we before we move on to talk about other things, uh, Jed Spence came on on the right. Uh, didn't really have too much to do, but absolutely belted forward at one point and like was just past players before they could blink which I think is a sign of things to come with Jed Spence. Were you, were you pleased to see him? Uh, he's now on um, 10 non-penalty expected goals per 90. Nice. Because yeah, he had that, a shot that, in that, one that, minute. That was quite a good chance for him. It fell nicely, right? So if he keeps that up, I definitely think he's going to be the starting right wing back. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, what have you made of Emerson in the last couple of games? It's, it's very strange. He does things which are really good, but then he also does things which are incredibly frustrating. And... Um, I, d- I don't know what to make of him because I, th- I think he has some really good attributes. But he has some really bad attributes for that role. But until I don't think I don't think there's a, a solution other than Jed Spence, who's probably not ready yet. I think he's probably better than Doherty because I just think he's a little bit more athletic. And I think he just has that that ability to move up and down the wing better. But he hasn't done anything terrible, but he hasn't done anything great either. He's just been a very steady seven out of ten every game, mm-hmm. which is okay for the the moment of time we're in he's he's a you know it's, it's like we've been saying all along he's a solid right back mm. he's a good somewhat defensively orientated right back who's limited in the final third um i do think he's improved under time under further coaching under developing to the system under getting his confidence back uh, around you know comp culture has, has really really helped him settle in um but it is kind of something that he is um 
you know, still starting every game for us. How many right wing backs do we have on the books? And we're linked with another one today or maybe even a couple more today as well. What is going on with right back? What's the long term plan? Mm. Where, do you remember Matt Doherty? Where's Matt Doherty? <laughs> I was even thinking, you know, I really like what Sessignon is doing at the moment. I really, I really have a lot of time for Perisic. Like we could easily see Perisic play some right wing back, but then who would you bring on on the left? I mean, Matt Doherty, maybe he, he came on the left a couple of times last season, but there are lots of options available. And I think we might start to see a few more options used over the coming weeks. And it'll be interesting to see come sort of say December time, whether Emerson's still getting as much game time uh, in, in the Premier League. Um, this week on Patreon, Bardi, you, you released a, a, a book club with Stephen Hawkins that's gone down very nicely. Yeah, I had a nice little chat with him. He's been a Spurs fan since way, way, way back in the day. And we talk about his experience of going to watch Ajax in 1968 in Amsterdam. And it's really nice to hear about someone who saw that Renus Miko's great team. And like us, lot, we, we know about it. We've, we've read things about it. But it was nice to get first-hand experience about someone who's seen it. And we chat Glenn Holder, we chat Spurs and we chat England football. So that was really nice. I also want to give a, a quick shout out to everybody who sponsored me on my marathon fundraising this week. It's been great to see so many, so many nice messages and so many, so, so nice to see so many donations piling in. I'm not quite there yet to the 3000 when I promised to join the egg club. So still some way to go there, which my wife is very happy about. But if we do hit three grand, I will, I will become an egg. Nice. Uh, Nathan, what are you working on at the moment, video-wise? Um, I've got a couple of things on my plate. Um, I was talking earlier today with uh, our subscriber, Jonathan, um, about doing like match runbacks, like doing a live rewatch with analysis kind of thing, and working on how that may or may not work. We've also got the Champions League coming up, and I thought I might try to do... Um, a look at an opponent per round. So looking at Marseille for the group stage, and then if we go further than that, doing a little thing, possibly also um, I might do um, like a fun little set piece game where we we play Geo and we watch an upcoming opponent set piece defense, and then we come up with our own idea for for a set piece against them those are all things and then there's still the chance that we might sign a player um in the next couple of days so uh, sort of juggling a few ideas at once there we'll very see nice. we'll see what materializes very nice indeed and um, i'm hoping to record an episode of straight off the trading ground in the next week with uh with yes. the extra inch and glasgow rangers is chris Summersell. so as reported by the athletic we can we can now say um, that Chris has been working with Rangers for some time now. Um, let, let me read the tweets that went out from uh, Jordan Campbell, who is the Rangers and Scottish football writer from The Athletic. Rangers have added Chris Somersell, a well-known figure in the analytics community, to their technical scouting team. He was the first person to notice Liverpool were choosing not to block shots from outside the box last season and did some really interesting work on why. I mean, we know Chris is brilliant. He's, the, the, the work he does on straight off the training ground is is endlessly fascinating. Um He's a lovely bloody bloke as well, and uh, I'm really, I'm really proud of him that he's got this job. He's landed this job with Rangers, and uh, he's helping them recruit players. So well, well done to him. Um, yeah, just really chuffed for him. Mm, very nice. I mean, where, did, where was our shout out? Where was it? The extra inches, Chris Summers. <laughs> uh, word. We need to have a word with the Athletic again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, Nathan, do you want to talk us through the Champions League draw since you since you you mentioned that already? Okay, so here's a fun little. Uh... Wait, can I can I ask before we get into the, the woods on this? I want to just are you happy? Yes or no with this draw? That's a really interesting sort of philosophical question, isn't it? Because <laughs> it, it's it's sort of like, are you happier having a, a slightly sort of air quotes weaker? draw that, that's more favourable for Spurs in terms of progression or would you rather play the big hitters and have the really exciting you know games under the lights uh, I think I'd rather have the big hitters okay. if I'm completely honest I think that's why you want to be in the Champions League but hopefully we'll get some big hitters further down down the road uh, I think we're going to see some interesting football and that's what is good news and we're also going to get to see Marcus Edwards back mm-hmm. that's, uh, at Tottenham so, and Nathan are you happy yeah. yes or no yeah I'm happy I am um... It's an interesting angle, Wendy. I used to want the big hitters, right? I was like, okay, I want to see Tottenham play um, this team, this team, this team. But um, we've been and done it now, right? We've played Real Madrid. We've played Bayern Munich. And most importantly for me, we've played Barcelona at home and I got to see the greatest player in the world, the greatest player the world has ever seen, Leo Messi in the flesh. Um, I've done that. So now let's just, you know walk a bunch of trash <laughs> that's not what is this group but um uh, maybe not a million miles away from that eh? okay so um every team in this group all four teams play with the back three which i think is um uh, a fun little quirk i had not realized that that is fascinating um, frank for maybe might be trialing going back to a, a back four um but for the most part, three teams play with the back three, which is cool. Um, Sporting have sold some of their their better players recently, as they sort of often do, but they've still got some talent in their squad. Um, Marcus Edwards is likely to start, I guess, but there's a chance he won't because of his poor defensive contribution and then and Trinkau will start in his place. Um, they will be playing like a back three, a three four three with a low block and, and counter, and, and look to try to get us that way. Um, Frankfurt like to be sort of a medium high press. They've lost Kostic. I'm not sure who they've got as left back now, but again, another back three side play play with some interesting ideas out of possession, um, but a generally good side. They won the Europa League. Frankfurt, yes, they did. Yeah, that's they why won they're the in, that's why they're in the Champions League. That's why they're in the Champions League, of course. Uh, I must say, um, they recently hired Verona's um, coach. Uh, and Verona were the highest pressing side in Serie A for the last couple of years. Um, oh, I meant to go back and watch my own video because when I looked at Conte versus pressing sides, I watched a bunch of Verona, there's some Verona clips in there. Um, based on that, though, I think that they, they could definitely cause us some problems. It's um, Igor Tudor is the manager. He's, that's he's it, Tudor. Decent. Yeah, they uh, yeah, they were a super super high intense pressing team. Verona were, and so I must say, um, in a in a in a three four three as well. So um, we should still win that group, but there are there are definitely some challenges there again, especially Marseille. Uh, Marseille have a couple of ex Arsenal players, which is okay. Always interesting. Oh, Alexis Sanchez, Sanchez, Genduzi, Kalasinac. Uh, yeah, they they've the, also got Bailly. Don't they have um, the one that Arteta shouted at? If you you can't play like that, if you want to be in the Champions League, and then he ended up loading. No, Tavares, Tavares. Yeah, yeah. So they got four ex Arsenal players. Plus they've also got Luis Suarez, Dimitri Payet. Oh wow, Jordan Vertut, who's not a bad player at all. They, they they've got, got a Paul strong Lopez. team. Paul Lopez. Paul Lopez, yeah. interesting. A real remembering some guys yeah. squad right there. Yeah, it's 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 not a bad it's not a bad um, uh, squad at Marseille at all. I think it's you know they're a strong team for sure. Um, you'd hope that we would beat Frankfurt. You'd hope that we'd beat Frankfurt so. and Sporting. I mean, they're they're an unpredictable team mm. in terms of lots of creative talent. But again, you'd I think you'd hope that we'd beat Sporting. 
I was going to say with, with Sporting, they, they're a team that regularly get to the next round of the Champions League or they seem to always get there and then they always end up getting smacked by City. Um, <laughs> I think it, it's, they are two tricky teams. I was at the camp where I was really happy with this. I didn't want to play, the, I don't want to play the big teams now. I'd rather get out of the group and progress in the Champions League and then we can get the PSGs and everybody else. But let's get out of the group first. Mm. I can I can totally see that. Yeah. I mean I think the thing is yeah, it's it's it is what it is, isn't it? It's the the Champions League is fun regardless of the team you play. It's just like it would have been nice to have a real one real glamour tie, I think. Um We'll get them. We'll get them. Hopefully hopefully we'll get them. Uh let's talk transfer window because we we're, we're getting there. In fact, this is going to go out of date pretty pretty quickly, but um here's where we are at the moment. So it looks like Harry Winks will be going to Sampa on loan. Looks like Regalon will be going to Atleti on loan. It looks like Brian Hill will be going to Valencia on mm, loan. Maybe, maybe. Mm. That Depending is on getting a replacement. Yeah, the reporting is that Conte isn't going to sign off on him going, which I, I imagine will pay will, will will accept until we have a replacement lined up. Um, today we are we've been linked with Dan James, who's very bad, um, and Yannick Carrasco, who's very good, but um, Atleti don't want to let him go. Ah, okay. We were previously linked with Malinowski, who so Dan James, a winger type profile, um, Carrasco too, two players who can maybe play a kind of um, forward winger type role and can maybe play wing back. But Carrasco's a right footer. Yes, Malinowski very much a left footer like Kulu. Um And the links with Malinowski have slowed or stopped so i'm really really confused about what it is we're trying to do there yeah what would the profile are we looking for more of a winger type player than than an inside forward to me uh, what makes sense is like an 810 type creator who can sub on for Kulusevsky or help make a midfield three. This is what we've been talking about all summer. We talked about Ericsson before. Mm. Mm. Um, again, Malinowski, who else do we talk about in that role? Um, Madison. Madison, again, another, another player of that type. That, that I think really rounds out the squad in a really nice way. Um, but we're being linked to wingers, one of whom, again, is, is not very good at playing football. So I'm not sure what's going on there. To, I mean, I would prefer to stay with Hill by the sound of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah a little, a little worried about. I mean, I'm glad that we've got, we've got, you know, our players being linked away quite strongly now, and it looks like we're going to move a few of them on because that's desperately needed. Um, but I'm a little worried about what's going on with that last mm. attacker role. Mm-hmm. I must admit, when I first saw the link with Yannick Carrasco, my my immediate thought was what your thought was when Adama Traore was linked, which is convert him to right wing back, or Conte wants to convert him to right wing back. Um, so it'd be interesting to see sort of what's in mind for him should we sign him. Uh, Enk says Spurs' strategy of loading out players instead of selling this summer, and Dombele, Celso, Winks, Regulon, Rodon, is that an active strategic? Is that sorry? He's asking. Let me do that again. Spurs' strategy of loaning out players instead of selling this summer, and Dombele, Lo Celso, Winks, Regulon, Rodon, is that an active strategic bet on the European clubs being less broken a year, or is it short-sighted to kick the can down the road until next summer, or the only option available? I think it's the only option available whilst there's no money anywhere else other than the Premier League and where I'm willing to let those guys go. It's, it is kicking the can, it is moving the problem to next year, but perhaps with less time on their contracts, maybe the value goes down, I don't know. But it, one thing's for sure, there's no point in having them around the squad. You can't just keep them there in, in, the, in the cupboard and just pretend they're not around. It's, um, it's kind of sad we haven't got any money for that. And I know we've already touched on this, but I, I, just, want it, I just want my opinion thrown in there. I think signing Dan James is an absolute disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't come out of a press release saying we have 150 million pounds and then buy Dan James. It's just out. I'm not. I'm not going to get all certain parts of Coy's Twitter, but that's that's the kind of thing that would make me want to start using those crappy hashtags. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, I think people will be throwing things at Prateji if, uh, if if Dan James is signed. That I mean, that would be a serious serious lack of imagination i mean we, can you imagine your role in this job is to find talent and buy talent and then 
you need a player to fill in the space and you go and buy Dan James who's, who's literally just keep just just keep Jack Clark if that's what you want just literally yeah. keep Jack Clark yeah I prefer Jack Clark to Dan James fair yeah. Lucas and I hate Lucas play, just play <laughs> Lucas where was Lucas this weekend anyway uh, he had an injury apparently okay. so the, he, I reckon he's being sold because that guy never gets injured <laughs> <laughs> that would be a nice rounding off to the uh, transfer window See, I think we we were looking for fees for these players that we've moved on. I also think that, yeah, this is sort of what we've had to accept. But I think that, like, um, Regulon Winks, Lo Celso and Ndombele, um are all likely, I would say, at least three out of four of them are all likely to improve their value this season. I think Ndombele is going to have a hell of a season at Napoli. Um, Lo Celso already sort of did his good loan yeah. to, to raise his his stakes, but basically non-Premier League sides are skin at the moment. Yeah, so like, like the question suggests, maybe it's a different financial situation in the market next season. Reglon's a really good player whose who's, who's value has plummeted by by the obvious facts that we didn't want him, um, even though he's good. And yeah, maybe Winks can find a sort of a scenario. I, I'm reluctant to do the sort of the trope that the Serie A is a slow league and that therefore that will suit him. Maybe there's a touch of truth to that, but I'm not convinced um, but maybe that maybe that would be good for him. I think that you know he's a, he's a decent player. Uh, Roden start at Hein uh, has been abysmal. He had like a a nightmare debut. Um, so maybe that Ooh. one's not going to go quite so well for us. But um, I think accepting these loans, like just getting them off the books for the time being, um, is also going to raise their value and work out to be the the, the best way to go anyway. A body in uh, Serie A, will Winks find that there's a bit less physical contact? Um, I think Winks is going to struggle because he's going to a pretty bad Samp team. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have the the greatest season. I don't. Gianpaoli is his manager who's all right. I think he's going to be in a relegation battle. They don't think they'll go down, but they'll finish just above relegation places. Um, I don't. It's this is not going to be a happy time for him. I was just thinking that you know, Winks Winks is not a bad footballer. You know, okay. he's better than what they got. That's for sure. He, he's a good player, but his ankles have caused him endless problems over the years. And I was just wondering if he goes to a slightly less physical team or league with a bit less tackling or a bit less Italians aggressive tackling. Italians don't tackle. They just tickle you with bits of spaghetti. Is that, is that well, what you think you no, win? No, no I'm, just ask, I'm just asking whether the refereeing is a bit stricter in, in Serie A. It's not as, it's not as brutal as the, the Premier League has turned into. Although I have noticed when it comes to a goal-scoring opportunity, they on the whole, they will blow the whistle and give a foul. Whereas the rest of the time, if it doesn't result in a goal, they let it go. No, it's not quite as rough and tumble as the Premier League. Um, I think Ndombele will have a good time in Italy. I think if he stays fit and gets in a good place, I think he could do really nice things at Napoli, who, who've become quite an interesting team this year. So I think he'll have a good time. But I think Winks would just struggle with, um, with Samp and the surroundings and everything else. I think his name would look lovely on their kit, but I think that's, that, would be, that would be the highlight of it. I think Harry Winks is going to smash it. No, possibly, but I think the team around him is so bad that it doesn't matter. You could put Maradona in that team and it's still going to fight relegation. Honestly, honestly, I think with Winks, it's just a case of playing regular football again. I think he's a, he's a, he's a solid player. He's not, uh, he's not a world beater. He was terrible with Sissoko in, in the duo, but he's a good box-to-box player if he can get clo- even close to his best form. And I, I really think, he'll, like Nathan says, I think he'll improve his value. I think this, these are smart moves in terms of giving players opportunities to prove that they are worth some money, which, yeah, sure, they're a year further into their contract, so we, you know, we're losing out that way. But I think the, the upside is, is worth it. I mean, I Plus think it's, the wages off the books. It's bizarre that Winks. I know I've criticised him, but he's much better than this, and I think it's yeah. incredible that nobody has taken a punt for him. I think he would do really well at Nottingham Forest, for example. I think there's lots of Premier League teams who could have done with Winks in their centre mid. Mm-hmm. Everton, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, why have they not signed Aston Villa? There's a there's a load of teams there who were kind of Sampdoria's level or worse in England that could have done with Harry Winks. For sure. Absolutely agree. Uh, Nathan, uh, Zabani still being linked? Yeah. Did we did we talk about him before when he was linked a few weeks ago? I think he might have briefly touched okay. upon him. Um, he uh, reminds me a lot of Power Torres. Um, I've been referring to him as, as Paulson Torreski. He... Um, <sighs> He he's right footed, um, so he's different in that sense. But he he um, 
He's 19. Um, and as you might not be shocked to learn as a 19 year old, he isn't up to the sort of physical level of even the Ukrainian Premier League. Uh, not to say that that's a non-physical league, I just mean it's not a top league as well, right? Um, sometimes non-top leagues are more physical, but you get what I'm saying. He He's mm-hmm. really poor in the air. Um, mm-hmm. But he's a good um, passive defender like Pau Torres, like smart positionally, and he's he's really good with his feet. Um, I'm sort of not... I guess he would be like an Eric Dyer type um, protege uh, as a backup for the central role whilst being left-footed, but... A slightly odd one. Hmm. Uh, any other moves that we might expect to happen? Well, we're not expecting Tanganga to go now because Milan have signed um, uh, Malik Tio, who is a player who I wanted to bring in to replace Tanganga. Interesting. <laughs> uh, which is a shame. And also, Saar is no longer going because of Bentanko's concussion, which is a little worrying that that is seen as that severe. But if we remember what happened to Jan Vertonghen, he was wrong for several months and we ended up selling him on probably earlier than he needed to be because he was still at a higher level, but suffering for months and months with this concussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Saar is he really needs to go to the right team anyway. Yes, so I, I don't, I didn't like the idea of rushing him out just to any old team. I felt like he needed to go to a decent, p- like a, a mid table possession based team, even not necessarily like a, like a dominant team, but a team who are going to have a share of the ball, you know, uh, going to, going to do something in, I in want possession. him to have a good number of touches to get used to that style. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the West Ham game. We might see Romero and Skip being involved for this one, which will be a, a timely boost. Um, Romero obviously was keen to come back as soon as he possibly could, but that'll be that'll be lovely to have him back for West Ham. Uh, Skip, I would imagine he's been out for a little while now. He would start the bench, surely. He's not going to just bring him in for Benton Court straight away. So you'd have to think it'll be Hoybier and Basuma starting in midfield. Uh, how do you feel about that, Bardi? I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think it'd be quite a nice pairing. Hubier was pretty good against Nottingham Forest. We promised we wouldn't do this. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> was, uh, I also realised we didn't mention at all the refereeing call. The the handball. That was obviously a red card. Uh, yes, it might not. not have. Harry might have have scuffed it and sent it over. So it's I think not... that is irrelevant. It is denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Whether he scores it or not is, is irrelevant, though. No? It's also a de- a clearly deliberate, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's... it was just outrageous. Absolutely brazen. I mean, it's it was deliberate. It was deliberate, but it wasn't a direct goal-scoring. I could see I could see yes and no. But I, 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 think, I think in this case, I think the punishment of a penalty was fair enough. And I don't think he needed to be sent for that. He didn't Luis Suarez it off the line. There was still an uh, element. I mean, like, for me, well that's Suarez. That's Suarez yeah. for me. No, no, no. It's Kane wasn't just even shy. It's just shy of a Suarez. Like this is that is absolutely brazen. He, he sees Kane about to like he can't work out whether Kane's gonna not be able to quite get over the ball. He's seen the fact You'd that the bet ball on is Kane, wouldn't you? He'd bet on Kane, hundred percent. And Kane was like gobsmacked after the game. He could not believe that it was not a red card offense. Like, it's, it's absolutely outrageous that that wasn't a red in my eyes. Um, great save, to be fair, and I loved Henderson's celebration as well, like with waving his cap around. That was well funny. So there was um, like a push uh, a few years ago to move away from sort of double and triple punishment yeah. of, of offenses like these, but um, this was certainly a, a very brazen, uh, terrible case. Um, I tweeted this, but I wanted to reiterate it. Um, we've gone from this situation where maybe we're over punishing with with double and triple yeah. punishment mm. to the situation where denying a very very likely goal results in a penalty which on average is converted like 75 78 percent of the time it's harry kane i you know i had a i had a weird feeling as he was getting ready to take that penalty which is easy to say afterwards but i just had like this suddenly like he's due a miss kind of sensation and and also henderson's already saved a penalty this season so there's like a little Ah, psychological boost to him there i think yeah maybe I think Kane, because we've watched Kane enough now, and I'm sure all the goalkeepers watch Kane even more than we do, but he always goes left. That's his penalty. Yeah, but more often than not. In high press situation, high pressure situations, he used to go down the middle, but then he started mm. going right. Mm. But I just think he's become so confident in his ability to hit that corner. So 
Henderson was going right, no matter what. And you could see the way he threw himself. Yeah. He, he didn't... Forward. Forward and across. So he wasn't waiting or guessing. He was sorry, he wasn't waiting to see. He was just, I'm going to get as far across my goal yeah. as I can. And yeah. um, he took a 50-50 chance and it worked out for him because Kane mishit it. I think had Kane hit it how he normally hits it, it's bottom corner. Even then he doesn't get there. But it was smart from Henderson to put all his yeah. eggs in that basket and go for it. That is a hundred percent the way to, to to attempt to save any Harry Kane penalty. Yeah, just so. jump forward and and to the right. Yep. Get the ball at the earliest possible point on that side, and then you've got a chance. I mean, and, yeah, if, and he, hope it, Kane if he hits it right, you've got no chance. Yeah, and just exactly. Take pick a side, yeah. go for it, and hope he mishits it. He didn't quite. He didn't quite get his placement and power this time, did he? No, um, no. Which enabled Henderson to you know take advantage there. But anyway, yeah, I um. I wanted to say, like, we, we've gone from maybe over-punishing those things to under-punishing those things in, in this case, especially as, you know, Kane failed to convert. Um, I just thought that, like, an easy solution would be to just award a goal. Just say, like like a like a leg before wicket, right? That was going in until you handballed it, it's a goal. And then you don't have to worry about the red cards and how that might affect future matches. You don't have to say, oh, well, the whole game is ruined because he's gone off. And you don't have to bet on whether the penalty will be scored or not. Just just call it a goal. Just award a goal. Just say, you know, whoever put the ball in. Was it Perisic? Richarlison? I'm getting lost was, now. Was it put in? I don't even remember it going in. The ball across, I mean. Oh, sorry. sorry. It was Perisic. It was Perisic cross. Just, just award it to Perisic or award <laughs> it as an own goal and just call it a goal. I I... I would like to hear good counter arguments. Unlike the counter arguments that I got to my tweet, which were just "this is stupid," "this is shit," "fuck off," you know that kind of thing. So you're talking, you're talking about this kind of incident as well, or simply a handball on the line where the ball is going towards the goal. This incident, this incident, okay. I just award. I think that the rules, not I'm not blaming the referee here. I'm saying the rules should say award a goal. Yeah, and in, in the Suarez situation too. It's absolutely cynical from Steve Cook, and annoyingly, he's been rewarded for it because he got a yellow card and the penalty was saved. Mm-hmm. But he lost, and they're in the mud, so we're happy. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, uh, let's finish on this one. RR10 says, "Does United spending sixty million euros on Casemiro start to make us wonder again about what sort of money a thirty-one-year-old Sonny would fetch next summer?" I am. Um, I was thinking about this on yesterday, and I thought about Nathan. I was watching this game, and I had a little think about Nathan and his opinion. Or when when Nathan tried to sell Son to Real Madrid last summer, and I thought <laughs> should have done it, mate. We should have done. We should have listened to Nathan. <laughs> Why aren't Real Madrid following Nathan on Twitter? The thing is that um, Manchester United are uniquely stupid. Like Real Madrid aren't bright. Barcelona have. Oh my goodness, what is going on there? But even then. Um, they're still not as stupid in the market as Man United. So we would only get that kind of silly money for signers of 31-year-olds, specifically from Man United, who we don't want to sell to. Um, so yeah, the, win- the window on-, on turning huge money on Sonny is definitely closing. I, we've now we've we've arrived suddenly at a, <laughs> a sun selling uh, catastrophe episode. I have not. I have not. Okay. Uh, I I still think. I still think the next two years is the best chance we're going to have of winning the league sure. in yeah, in twenty years. So let's mm. keep our best players on for that period. You have been listening to the extra inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. 
Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.